0: Hello and welcome once again to Rasslin' Memories Then and Now on Pioneer 90.1 FM KSRQ. We are beyond the FM dial where you can listen to us worldwide. You can listen to our episodes live and in our archive at RadioNorthland.org and we're available on our, our stations here. The Pioneer 90.1 stations are available on TuneIn. So we got a few different ways to catch us live and you can always check out the archive. I'm Glenn Broggett, back in this and ready to roll with another edition of wrestling Memories Then and Now as we are really just moving on through this month in November and man, it's uh, almost going to be the end of the year and boy, what a 2020. It's been bad, good, bad or ugly. And we're uh, we're going to got we got a really good guest though uh, by the way we're not going to get into any more doom and gloom about the year and anything uh, uh, on that level we have a great guest but first i want to get to my co-host the man who booked it the man who's down there in the home studio deep in the heart of texas the main man with the main plan the grizzled vet mike McCurdy. mike uh, it's always great to talk some wrestling memories here
1: oh definitely man i would, like i said every week man i love joining you and getting to talk with our guests about you know just some great wrestling memories and at the time of this recording, you know, I'm still waiting to see who our president's going to be. So hopefully by the time this show airs, we'll know.
0: <laughs> maybe. Big, big, big maybe. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm just going to say maybe. That's all I got. All I got for you there, but there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wrestling memories. That's a much murray That's a much easier thing to start to talk about. And you know, this week, Mike, I tip my hat to you because you went in. Uh, you go on when you go on assignment. You, you definitely go on assignment. You book for such fine guests here the last few weeks, off and on. And this week is definitely uh, another one bred right up there in the platinum level.
1: I got connections, man. I was glad to finally get this guest on the show. You know because. I've known her for a few years. You know, wonderful lady, and we're going to have some great conversation.
0: Oh, absolutely! And uh, you know, I want to bring her in. Yes, uh, she's the wife of pro wrestling legend, the late great. Bruiser Brody up here in AWA country. He was King Kong Brody. Why? Cause I remember watching him out of uh, watching him on AWA wrestling in around 1984. Uh, I used to watch it from a station up in Winnipeg that would broadcast it to us. And one of the first times I got to see uh, Bruiser Brody was when he jumped Greg Gagne and Jim Brunzel in that TV studio And Wally Carbo threatened to uh, suspend him for life. And Baron Von Raschke was speechless. It brought back such memories because I was a fan of the High Flyers. It really broke my heart and broke my uh, female cousin's heart, too. But then as I grew up and kind of got to know the man, I loved him uh, through and through. I loved the gimmick. I loved just uh, the way he talked, the way he did his thing. And it's such an honor to be able to talk uh, to the wife of Frank Goodish, a.k.a. Bruiser Brody. Barbara Goodish. Barbara, thank you so much for taking a little time out of your schedule today and join us here. It's your first time on Rosslyn Memories then and now.
2: That is correct. Correct. And I thank you, Glenn. And I thank you, Mike, for having me on. I really look forward to uh, talking to you both.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's uh, always fun to kind of see uh, your comings and goings, uh, you know, on social media, You're, you know, before all the COVID business, you have you been very active Uh, whether it's going to, you know, just in the pro wrestling community, I mean, it's been so many years now since uh, Frank's passing. But, you know, in recent years, I, I've been seeing you pop up at uh, Hall of Fames. You've been at this, the Cauliflower Alley Club. What is that like to be able to be a part of a fraternity like that and have friends that you've made through these uh, places like the CAC? And it's, you know, not only you being able to network, but also uh, keeping your husband's uh, legacy alive. What's that been like uh, to to be a, to feel like that you're a part of the family?
2: You know, when when everything had happened, two thousand and fourteen was the year that everything came back together. That was the first year that I had been to different I'd been invited to different events and all of a sudden I had my whole family back and it has just been one of the most wonderful experiences having the family back because it's a very unique wrestling community and it it is a family and I had lost that Closeness with everybody for so long I'd kept in touch with you know a few people the whole time, and it was Stan Hansen and Don Jardine before he passed and Buck Robley and very little that had kept in touch with me so when all of a sudden this whole community opened up, and I met people that I had known forty years ago in in australia when i you know before I came over here when I met Frank. And it was like, and I'm still very close friends with um, Tony Guerrero and JJ Dillon and a few others. And it's just really nice to have that kind of friendship. And when I met you, Mike, that was was one of the best things. I won't go into the other part of it, but when David brought me to uh, Texas and we had the event... That that was that was when he was announced. I think this was the first one he was announced that he was going to be uh, and you know honored at the CAC. And you know that was a great weekend. We don't get into the bad stuff. (laughs) We just get (laughs) it. We won't talk about that. (laughs) We won't talk about that one. (laughs) And uh, that was nothing real bad, just a little accident. But uh, that was just having David and then meeting you and everything. And that was that was a really wonderful time. That was one of the first events that I had come back with the wrestling family.
0: And you were also uh, you we were you've been out to uh, to Iowa at Waterloo for their Hall of Fame uh, honors as well.
2: Right, the Waterloo Hall of Fame was such a wonderful. That's a wonderful organization too. It puts on you know it's got the old school wrestling attached to the well. New school wrestling, I bet, but I'm talking, when I say old school, not even our old school, I'm talking about the real wrestling. And then you know, going through that museum is just a wonderful experience, too, for any wrestling fan. It is, that is one of the places to go to. And also the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame, which uh, Mike is attached to, it, in uh, Wichita Falls is just a I, that is on my bucket list that I really do have to go visit. I see all the photographs, so I sometimes feel that I've actually been there, even though in person I haven't. I went to, he was awarded at the original Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame that was up there and I think it was Amsterdam, New yep. York, yep. which was a great experience. I think that was one of the very first ones I went to, too. I think it was that one then. And then David's and Mike's uh, event, IHWE was it Uh, wrestling that he had his organization. Yes, yes. You were at old school hustle in September
1: of 2014.
2: That's right. Yeah, 2014. That was you know that. So it was because I think 2014. That was after I had been to Amsterdam. Was Amsterdam and then David's if I remember, or it could have been the other way around. (laughs) It's a long time ago, but it's just I know (laughs) the year. I know the year and as I said and then I've been to like I said, the CAC is such a wonderful, wonderful organization just because, you know, they look after you know, they look after people. People mm-hmm. that are down and out in the wrestling industry that need a little bit of help, they they provide that help which can help so many people because even though wrestling is a business, it's not a business because there's no health care, there is no retirement there's anything so and it's a hard business as I'm sure you know Mike can explain that too that so when they're in somewhere they can go to when they are in need which is something and especially at the point, a lot of people are in need right
0: now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very, very much so. And you know, for all of these honors, and uh, I, I want to mention another uh, person who was uh, a real part, big part of your husband's life, and he holds his legacy up so, so high, highly. Uh, he uh, because of his relationship, and he's still promoting in the pro wrestling game. Is uh, Herb Simmons? A lot of people uh, might, you know, who are in the know know her, but tell talk to the fans who might not know that connection between Herb Simmons. And both uh, your husband and yourself.
2: Well, this goes back to Frank when he was work. First of all, it started in uh, Herb Simmons. Larry Matysak was another person that oh, was yeah. involved. Through Larry Matysak, uh Frank met Herb. And this all came back to Bob Geigel in St. Louis, too. So there's sort of like a connection right there. Because when he was going to St. Louis, he came in contact with Larry Matysak, and then Larry Matysak, Herb Simmons. And they just just became a friendship. the three of them. It was a very unique friendship in the wrestling business where people totally trust each other in the in the business you know you had to be careful well like in life you you're careful who you live in, and then you meet those people that automatically you don't know why you automatically feel a connection with. And these were the people that Frank really felt a connection with. And they did a lot of business together. In fact, they were, if things hadn't have happened, we won't go into that, but if things hadn't have happened, Frank was already starting up a business called BAM, Brody Athletic Management. And part of that was he was starting to promote a few small shows outside St. Louis with the help of Herb and Larry and he was starting I mean he he knew because all he wanted to do was to make the promoters money he knew how to make money and he knew that if you make the promoters money they're happy the boys are happy can they get money but as we know and few of the promoters were a little you know what I mean they didn't want to give him that power even though he knew that he could he could make everybody money. So with Herb and Larry, this was the connection, and Herb had the uh, power to produce a few little shows around the, you know, the St. Louis area, just you know, outside the main area, because that was still Bob uh, Geigel. And it, you know, work they'd go and do a few of these little shows, and he had quite a few of the people that now are stars today that would go to these little shows. That didn't matter. He, they knew that Frank wouldn't cheat him if he said a certain amount. That would be it. There wouldn't be no questions of how much he get paid. If the show was small or if the show was big, that would be the pay. But naturally, they had you know quite a success. As a is that was just before, you know. And and with going back on this uh, Brody athletic management that he had incorporated, uh, they were going to go around, especially uh, Frank, He was working with a gentleman at the uh, Texas University in San Antonio and they were going to do he was going to go around the schools. he had bought a wrestling ring from I think it was Tally Blanchard back in those days in San Antonio and we had it in our we we had five acres and we had a big garage on one of the acres and he had the wrestling ring in there and what he was going to do was take this wrestling ring, go around the schools and do a skit. This was when Deer, you know, the drug program was just coming into the schools because he had that feeling. And that's why he was doing it through a professor at the university because, it, you know, to go to the schools, you have to do it the right way because he knew that you go to a school, you set up a wrestling ring. He gets in the wrestling ring the way that he looks. You think those kids wouldn't have listened to him? Oh. You know, there's no doubt. Yeah. Whereas you send somebody with we'll his face it, our kids, and I went through, you know, with Jeff and that. If it's anyone in authority or anyone, you know, they don't listen to us at a certain point, especially when they're going through that stage.
0: Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. It's like, oh,
2: yeah. you know, but someone like Frank, they actually would listen to. And. You know, I can see, and then we had we had a piece of property out, kind of out in the country that kind of had a little stream going through it with a few fishing things. It, what he was going to do was take underprivileged uh, boys in the school holidays and give them like a little camp. You know, take them and who knows? It's a, it's a shame because I think back on that. I think he could have helped a lot of people because when I do all these traveling around all these different places, I have people that come up to me, especially young. I always go back to one gentleman that came up to me in CAC. And he was telling me, I've read your book. I've watched his matches. And he was doing the wrestling shows at the CAC. And he was just telling me all these things. And I asked him how old he was. He wasn't even born when Frank passed. And I went, is that? I mean, I just couldn't believe it that these young people, and that's not the first one. I've had ones, I think in Philadelphia, a 21-year-old, he comes to me, he shows me a tattoo what? on his arm. You know, 21 years old. And that's, and there's been several people that have shown me tattoos. In fact, uh, Mike, have you shown Glenn your tattoo?
1: I'm sure he's seen it. I have not posted on Facebook, so if he hasn't seen it, I'll be sure yes. to uh, send him the photo.
2: See, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> you know, So so that, so there it is that no matter what, this is 32 years later, he has left such a memory and need, like I said, to even even the younger people of today, just by the old, this is the real old school, uh, professional wrestling, that they just, somehow they have just hooked in to that decade where it was believable. You know, I went to a AEW, I think it was. We had one here in the Ocean Center uh, back, it was last year. I think it was last year. Or whenever it was, they, they did their, one of their first matches. That's Cody Rhodes. So they did their first, they did the first, I think one of their first TV shows was here. And uh, Jim Ross got me tickets. First time I'd really been to a wrestling show because I didn't really go that much, you know, with uh, Frank, and I've gone to a few after that. But even with David's show was good, and I go back to Herb. Started off with Herb, so I will end up with Herb. <laughs> <laughs> and it was to me, it just reminded me of the AEW, I mean, it just reminded me of the Circus de Sol in uh, in Vegas. There was so much acrobatics. It was, like, I mean, it was, don't get me wrong, it was really fantastic, but it wasn't like the old school wrestling, like, uh, you know, when back in the old days. Now to get back to her, and that goes back to not being able to go to the uh, wrestling, show, you know, the Hall of Fame with uh, uh, Johnny, is he has a memorial. He has the Bruce Brody Memorial every May, third weekend, same weekend that he's had for, I don't know, such a long time. I've been going every year to the show outside St. Louis in a little town. It's always packed. It's always, I've seen the same people there year after year after year. He gives them old, professional, old school wrestling. And I sit there, and it's like he's one of the few. But I think now there's organizations opening up there actually, maybe going back to that. But so every year, it's like I'll go there and I'll sit, and you know, and the connection with Herb is very, very, it's still there 32 years after everything happened. Did I just rave on? I kind of went right from, That's what women do. We start off with one subject, and we end up with
0: several subjects. Oh, but this is all part of the conversation, the laid-back chill that we do here on <laughs> Rasslin' Memories then and now. No worry. man. This ain't no regiment, regimented thing. You just talk. We just keep on going with it. You know, I'm going to throw Mike, uh, take off to Mike here and get him into the conversation because I know he loves chatting with you, and it's been fun chatting with you, too. But uh, due to time, we got to get Mike in here. Mike, what's happening, my man?
1: Oh, man, I'm just sitting here enjoying the conversation. Like you said, I've had a lot of opportunities to talk with Barbara. And Barbara, I just want to say thank you once again for joining us and all that. And I was telling Glenn that, you know, hey, you're going to love talking with Barbara. She's a wonderful person. I met you in 2014. It was the ICWE event in September. That was my first trip to Texas. So for me to get a chance to meet you and, you know, obviously, you know, the wife of the late Bruce Brody, who was a legend here in Texas, that meant a lot to me. I was, that was honestly the one thing I was looking forward to that entire weekend was the chance of that because I'm a fan, y- you know that. But what I'd like to ask okay. about is that night at the Cinderella Center at Old School Hustle, be- before the incident that shall remain untalked about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for for anybody listening, it was a moment. We had a graphic up on the wall on the main stage of Brody to announce his uh, uh, re- being remembered at CAC for the 50th anniversary and Barbara had gone up on stage, and she reached out to touch the picture of Frank, and there was a small gap between the wall and the stage that she did not see. She is fine. We took her, took care of her that night, and she was okay, and she still talks to us. So it's all good. But <laughs> <laughs> Wow.
2: And, and as I said, and as, every time I see Stan Hansen, oh, we kind of have a little laugh. I said, hey, Stan, you owe me, because I took the bump for you. Because remember, he was right behind me. And yes. if was ready to step to, but I fell, he, he stepped back when I fell, you know, he had st- saved him. So I was telling him, and, you know, I took the bump for you. So just remember that.
1: <laughs> you know, funny thing about Stan, Glenn, you might get a kick out of this story. After all this happened, we, we actually had a couple, two emergency room nurses that were there at the show. They weren't working for us, but one of our wrestlers was an ER nurse. And a lady that was there with the grappler was an ER nurse. So we had people there to take care of her. Sure. Stan went back out onto the, sail- onto the floor to you know meet the fans, sign autographs while she was being checked out. But he came over to me, and his exact words to me were, as soon as you know something about Barbara, you come get me immediately. Yes, sir. The voice that Stan had scared me, and all I envisioned was the big old man with the lariat. I'm going, yes, sir. I will come get you as soon as we know anything. You got it.
0: Yeah, you're lucky <laughs> he didn't wrap the old uh, rope around you and drug you around with the cowbell, man. <laughs>
1: no no but he was serious that day <laughs> no he stayed with me
2: when you know i went and got a, i went to the hospital you know to the emergency room got checked out and that came back yeah he was with me and karen Merritt was the other one they both you know they both were with me and got me to the airport yes. and put me on the plane back home so everything's good i mean life throws you curves like that and what you just have to you just pick yourself up brush yourself off and keep going
1: now, you know, barring the incident that, that happened there, um, when you were in the ring, we were doing a Hall of Fame segment, and you had no idea what was, what was going to be announced. And Morgan Dollar came out, made the announcement that 50th anniversary, that they were honoring the posthumous award to Bruiser Brody. You're in Fort Worth, Texas. Obviously, you know, that was his home, world-class championship wrestling. Everybody knows that. The arena, all the people in the room, we had 500 people in the building that night. They all stood up and started chanting Brody. How did you feel at that time? Cause like you said, you're just getting back into the, you know, seeing everything in the business and to see that that was 500 people on their feet chanting your husband's name.
2: I know that that was an absolutely amazing, uh, memory to be honest. I've just had some memories of that too. And you know, when they come through on Facebook and that, and it takes me back to that night and just, Just to even know that after so long, I didn't know he was still so remembered, you know, because this was, like I said, this was the start of getting back into the wrestling family because I did nothing. Nobody even really knew who I was for so long because I just, it was just the regular life. So that moment standing up there in that ring with everybody, it was, I mean, I think I was you know, there was James Baird was there. There were so many great people. Len, the grappler. It was, as I said, it was an amazing moment, and it's a moment I'll never forget.
1: You now, now that you've mm-hmm. had a chance, you know, you get to talk with the fans and you're talking to age groups. My son is nine, and he knows who your, your husband is, partially due to me. Huh? Uh, he actually has a berserker action figure. It's the berserker. It's John Nord, but it's the closest thing he can get to bruiser Brody, so he pretends it's Brody because it's still got the beard and the look. So he pretends that John Nord is his Brody figure because he doesn't have one. I'm working on that. But um, what do you think it is? What's the, what's the, that tangible element about Frank that people remember so well? Cause like I said, people still watch his matches to this day.
2: I know. I know just by the amount of people that send me messages through uh, Facebook and that. And uh, I think it was just, like I said, he, he did it as a business, and as a business, you work at your craft. I mean, I remember the times he would go to Japan, and he'd come back, and he'd sit there. He'd have the old VHS tapes, and he'd sit there, and he'd watch his matches. And even here, he was, what is it? He, he thought off the cuff because... A lot of these things, he never knew what he was going to. Especially interviews. I think he won a lot by the interviews because he was so crazy in his interviews. And as he said, when he did an interview, or if he was going into the ring, he would look and see what is there in the arena. Can I pick up something and use that in my match? So you never—he never knew when he got in that ring what he was going to do, because Japan and the states were two entirely different styles of wrestling. When he went to Japan, he. The, you know that it was really wrestling was here it was just being the crazy man so the crazy man would get up there and he had great opponents I mean you think about him and that door who was you know one of I think those were a lot of matches that people remember too and uh Jimmy Snooker I know and Jimmy Snooker was another one I mean he'd just go there were so many matches and so much that like I said, he really didn't know. He'd just go up there and tear tear the ring up, and a lot of it, as you know, was outside the ring. And I just think people remembered. But then when they met him away from the away from that, he was just a regu- he was just a regular person. Because I had these people coming up to me again. Sorry to repeat, and they tell me that they remember meeting him in an airport, or they remember him in a restaurant, or something. And if he saw that they were kind of scared of him because he was a scary person when he had his hair out and everything, that he could see that they were a little afraid of him, especially in an airport. He said he said several times he said I'd go up and I would you know talk to them because I'd see them kind of looking at me and kind of going behind Dad's legs you know like scared. And today they even remember and. This is, what I mean, I know he could help people because I've actually had people tell me that he, they actually learned that you can't judge a book by its cover. It's not how somebody looks or somebody is, it's how they react to you. And they remember this big, terrifying man and how gentle he spoke to them. And this is, you know, memories. And these are things that just amaze me because I myself couldn't believe how popular or how, what a legend he is. Because to me he was just Frank. He was just uh, he was just a husband. I remember. I remember you, Mike. I remember in Vegas you made me do something. I'm not going to get. In rem- I don't know if you remember that. We're in we're in the hallway and you. Uh, you oh yes. Work. <laughs> yes, did,
0: yes, yes. That. I did. Do tell.
1: Uh, I I I thought, Glenn, I'd have a little fun. Because, you know, David Fuller, you know, he's been a guest on our show before. You know, David. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He felt bad about what happened to Barbara, obviously. And he's always kind of felt guilty about it that she got injured at his show. So I thought we're at CAC's 50th anniversary. We're honoring Frank. Barbara was a guest at the ICWE table, signing autographs for two hours and meeting everybody. And she was amazing. She was great with everyone that came up to her. Um, I suggested we go out in the hallway and we cut a little promo, do a little video. So what it was is, you know, she's in the hallway talking. I think she was talking with Andrea the Giant. I had that set up. And I come running into the hallway, and I told her, I said, Barbara, I said, about your award tonight, you can't go on the stage. You can't go on stage and accept your award. And she says, well, she has to. I said, no, if you remember what happened the last time you went off the stage. But I have to. I said, no, you're not. I'm not going to let you go on there. And then Barbara slaps me. And I edited (laughs) this video together, and I sent it to David as a little, hey, Barbara, and I wanted to say hi. And David replied with a not so appropriate word for you know, television radio at noon on a Sunday. But that,
0: that's tremendous.
1: You know, Barbara's been a good sport about it. You know, and every time I talk with her, it pops back up, and we we've, we've gotten to the point now that we can have a good laugh about it because she's okay, and it made for a memorable moment. Not memorable, yeah, but I said, I, not memorable, yeah, but I, something she will never forget.
2: That that's what I say. but but as I said, things things happen in life that nobody has any control over it. and as I said you know it's like I tell people and in, in fact I, uh, I I feel for Kim uh, animals animals life I mean the way that he passed too and and I understand how she feels because uh, you know all of a sudden your life has changed and to, you know It's just something you, everybody has to, you know, do things differently, but you have to, you have to go on with your life. You have to take one little step at a time and heal yourself and go on because that's what they would want you to do. I have met people in my life that have never got over a really bad thing happening to them, but they have have given up on life and they have lost so much joy that they could find in life. You know, and it's not taking anything away from the memory of the past. It's just life changed. You've walked along this path going straight and everything's great and everything's wonderful and your life is perfect. And then all of a sudden you hit that brick wall. I mean, the wall is there. There's only one way. You can either be negative for the rest of your life or you can try, take little steps and be positive and move on. And I'm not saying it's it's easy or anything, but you have so much living to do that you can't give up on life no matter what happens. Just a little little thing. And, uh, you know, I I know when I talk to people in that, it's just, you know, how did you do it? Well, it wasn't easy, but it was something that you have, you know, you have to do because it's life. (laughs) You know, every day especially, you know, every day we never know what's happened. So at the end of the day, it's really nice to say, thank you. I got through another day, and I'm prepared for whatever tomorrow brings.
1: Now, you know, on, along that subject, when, when Frank, you know, his untimely passing, and, uh, you know, you had, a, you, had a, you had a young son, Jeff. Uh, I'm not sure right. how old he was at the time. But he's he now, seven. you know, grown up. And if anyone's seen the Vice uh, special, The Dark Side of the Ring with, on, uh, you know, Frank, You know, we got to see you and Jeff, you at that storage unit, which I would love to see that storage unit in person, by the way. Um, How has he, you know, gone done with this growing up? Because, you know, he lost his father at a young age. Um, We don't hear much from him. How's he doing?
2: You know, with that vice, with the vice uh, program, that's the first time he's ever talked about it with anybody that's the first time he's ever appeared on camera which totally amazed me but the producers evan and jason the uh, producers that did the vice episode they were just so respectful and they were kind of younger than jeff too so jeff kind of got on so when we were doing the interview we had gone to austin to do the interview when they were doing the interview they asked jeff just out of the blue well would you mind saying a few words I just about fell over when he said, okay, it was like, oh, but well, this is great. I mean, I, I, this is, to me, this, this was great. But th- the thing that got me was when they asked him the question about memories of his dad. And I think his reply was like, well, everybody else had memories about me. And it was like, oh, you know, it's, kind of and that's why he's never really done anything i've asked him to come to shows with me and everything i think he's getting better now because that was kind of a moment when he did that interview on the vice and he's at the age now he's going to be 40 well on saturday is his birthday he'll be 40 he was born 7th of november wow time does go by and he never really wanted to get because he blamed wrestling for not having a dad
1: yeah. I, I can understand that it would be tough. And there's so many, you know, like you mentioned animal and obviously, you know, there's been others like, you know, Eddie Guerrero that they've lost them unexpectedly and it's always a, a tough thing. But, um, with all the, with all the recognition that, that Frank gets now the hall of fames, CAC, the well recognition by the WWE hall of fame and their legends, or I think he deserves a full induction myself. Um, Oh, if Frank were around yeah. today, would he would he be part of this? Would he go to these Hall of Fames? Or would he be the type of guy that was just kind of like, you know, I was just doing my job and maybe not want to be in the limelight at all these presentations?
2: No. Well, like I said, when I go back to that Brody, Brody Athletic Management that he was going to do, I have a feeling and that – He maybe was, you know, looking at politics as some local politics or something down the line because I think he knew that wrestling, his body was giving out. I mean, the things that he did, when I see some of the pictures that people post and I'm like, how the hell did he do that? You know, I mean, the bumps he took and I knew that his body was, you know, starting to wear out. And I knew that he was already at that age thinking about going beyond the wrestling, getting into promoting, doing different things, like I said, with the uh, school children and, you know, making, uh, you know, doing things like that and trying to help people that I think somehow would still be half involved in wrestling. That's what with Herb and Larry, they were getting into promoting shows. Of course, he was it was good because he, he could be the star and he knew all the boys to bring in. That was the next step, I think, promoting. Next step after that was, like I said, doing other things. And uh, he was always thinking because he knew that he couldn't go out and do what he did. Every, you know, especially in Japan. Japan was so physically, he had to be so physically, you know, able because that was pure. That was was pure wrestling because it was so different. So... I think he was already thinking beyond you know, beyond wrestling, so that was, I think, would have been, who knows, because he he had a very smart mind, you know that there was definitely who knows what he could have accomplished if things hadn't have turned out you know different. I think, you know, the world was open to him. Who knows what he would have accomplished? I think wrestling would always have been part of whatever it was because that was where he was successful. But not getting in the ring, taking bumps. Like I know some of the older people actually still get in the ring. I don't think he would be putting his tights on. No, he would have been behind the scenes.
1: Now you know uh, you. I, when we were talking there, I, I heard you almost. You were commenting for a second. I think I cut you off. Uh, the WWE Hall of Fame. They did a inclusion in a Legend Wing or whatever they called it. Uh-huh. Uh, what was your opinion on that? I mean, did they contact you on that? What was kind of your take on it? Because, like I said, I think he deserves a full induction, not just a brief mention in a Legends hallway.
2: I right. I saw it on Facebook. And I went, what? He's not being inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. What what is it? Oh, somebody's got some fake news out there. Well, as it happened, it wasn't fake news. That's how I found out when somebody posted it on Facebook. Nobody contacted me. I had no idea that there was anything. I think it was just a few days before the actual event was taking place. Next thing is I go to... uh, there was Charlotte, the Charlotte show, FanFest. Uh, uh, I meet Karen, I, Karen McDonald, who is the widow of Wahoo McDonald. She said, she came, she said to me, did they contact you? Because Wahoo is also in the Legends Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. Frank. They both went together. She came to me and we're talking. She said, did they contact you? I said, no. I said, did they contact you? No. So yeah, she was, yeah, she was, uh, upset about it too. I said, no, both of us get anything. We're not contacted at all. Didn't even know till afterwards, you know? So yeah, that was kind of a little, I think that was a pretty low blow.
1: Cashing in on the name and putting his picture in her program. So basically,
2: yeah, that, that was it. There was a picture in the program. And that was all there was no mention anything. They just threw a picture in the program, and that was it. nothing so yeah, so mm-hmm. we kind of we kind of bonded a little bit, Karen and myself, because we'd gone through exactly the same thing, so it was nice just nice. Like. It's nice going to these shows and meeting these people that I would never that I have so much in common with that I would never get a chance to meet in ordinary life because like I said, now, I. Um, really yeah. want to, yeah, I didn't do anything until right, as I said, right to 2014. I never, no interviews, no nothing, nothing. So, no, I'm, I'm happy now to talk about it. I'm happy to, you know, speak to people because it's part of your life. You get to that age, it's part of my life, you know, and it's good to have when you go back and, you know, have good memories, like talking to you, Mike, for the first time in
1: so long.
2: And well, I'm not sure, sure if you know, remember,
1: Barbara. Um,
2: yeah, I was going to say, because I forget I'm glad you remembered about the WWE, because that was what I was uh, going to say. You know, at this age, you have to say things when you remember, because otherwise it just it goes out in the universe. <laughs> you think that, mm-hmm. I say something. Oh I can't remember what was it? Uh, Mike, I'll see what I can do about finding your son a, a figure of friends. I might have one around here somewhere, but let me try find him one for you. I'd like to do that for you.
1: Oh, you would you would make a nine year old little boy's dream come true. He'd be so excited.
2: <laughs> yeah, just when we get off, uh, just message me your address and everything and I'll see what I can do. Okay. Um
1: one thing I did want to uh, touch on real quick. Um as part of it is, you know, when you kinda of came back in and you started, you know, going to the events my friend, you were also helped uh with the book, you and uh, Larry Matazic, the book Brody, which I think it's a great book far better than the other one that's uh, been released Emerson Murray, both good years, right. obviously, you know, with your connection obviously and Larry Matizik's connection with Frank and, you know, your life with him. Uh, an amazing book. Can I, is that book still available? And how can our listeners find it if they're interested in, you know, just learning more about uh, Frank's career?
2: Yeah, I have, I have I can get copies of the book. I'm out of them right now, but if anyone is uh is interested, they can message me through Facebook and I can get them a copy and send it to them. I can sign it and get me a co- and give them a copy. Get them a copy. Yes. Because it's pretty hard to find because as I said it's been quite a while, it's 2007 I think we got it. the uh, publisher if I call him he'll he'll uh I mean, I have to pay for them, but he will get me copies. And like I said, and then like I said, I can sign it and get sent off to anyone that's interested.
1: Well, Barbara, I'd like to thank you for joining us. Um, obviously, we're going to have to wrap this up in a minute. But uh, if our listeners are interested, I know there's a lot of, you know, Facebook pages, Facebook groups dedicated to your husband. Uh, but there's one that you're in, involved with. How can our listeners like, reach out to you or find a uh, group on uh, Facebook?
2: Well, find a group group on Facebook. I think there's two Bruiser Brody Memorial and was it Bruiser Brody Wrestling's Rebel, if I remember? The one, Wrestling the one, Hardcore the Rebel, one. yes. Yeah, Hardcore. That's I am an administrator of both of them, and I, I keep an eye on the other one and everything. I'm, I'm lucky that they at least let me uh, you know what I mean. So, kind of, uh, kind of just look after it to make sure that it's being done right in his memory and everything. And this is where I've I get photographs that I have no idea. I have not seen them, A personal photograph, especially people in Japan. The Japanese will post pictures that just him, a lot of times him and Stan or him and Jimmy, Snooker out there in life. And it's really strange to see that whole side of him in another country from the photographs in there. So it just brings back all these things that I've never seen. So all they have to do is find the group and just put, I think it's what you just put a, friend request or something into the group and then then we just go ahead and we approve the, approve the person. So please do it. You know, it's a great group and you get so much information and you find so many things out and it's great. So please do as I said, all I have to do is find the group as we mentioned, put the put a friend request in that you want to join or, you know, you want to join the group and presto it will be a uh, it will be approved. (laughs) I just want to thank everybody for just still remembering after so long that I, you know, it's I'm humbled, you know, about these people because they keep writing to me. They keep sending me messages on Facebook and I try to, you know, answer every uh, message. Sometimes I can't. It's just, you know, overwhelmed a little bit, but I try to do because I know... They're remembering him and, and what an honor. I mean he would be totally amazed, you know, what has happened over the years. This is thirty two years and yet he's more known today than what he was that period of time. Because as you know, there were no cell phones, there were no there wasn't technology, no computers, no cell phones that nobody really knew because it was such a small a small Thing without the technology. And now, with technology and every, every just about every match. I don't know how many matches there are on YouTube now. That has just brought him into the new generation. So it's a you know I will, you, you know all yeah. all the fans out there. Everything. I just I just thank thank them so much. and family appreciates it.
1: Well, Barbara, thank you for joining us. And I don't think the legend of your husband will ever die. Uh, he's always going to be out there for the next generation to come.
0: For Barbara Goodish, Mike McCurdy, I'm Glenn Brockett. This has been wrestling Memories Then and Now.